Good morning. In the summer of 2000, I was part of a youth group that made a trek down to the central part of the Baja Strip of California. This was a missions trip that was working with an organization called Sun City, and we were going to be going into the small village and serving a church there doing VBS and lots of different stuff. So after the long drive down, lots of late nights on the way down, we get there for a kickoff night and lots of music, lots of worship. Um, and in the midst of that, I remember standing there and out of nowhere next to me, this person from another youth group started to speak in gibberish was all I knew at the time. It was a lot of Baba Laba type language um, and it didn't really make sense to me at all. But I, at the moment, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I guess that they have this kind of inside language that they must be talking to one another with. Like, I grew up with what's called the ubby-dubby language with my family. And so I, my wife and I can talk this language so that our kids don't know what we're saying. But, so it wasn't intelligible to them, but it that is unintelligible to me. So I was like, oh, cool. They must be speaking in a language that they all know about, but I just don't know about. Well... Come to find out that that was my first experience in what the Bible talks about as speaking in tongues. They were um, spirit-inspired speaking in a way that uh, is not a foreign language. It was not a logical understanding. It was a spirit-inspired, what one scholar calls free vocalization. And so growing up, um, beyond that, I, I came to discover that the tradition that God saved me through uh, was a tradition that really highly emphasized this, this gift. Uh, they believe that um, in order to be baptized in the Spirit or as a, the physical evidence of being baptized and filled with the Spirit is speaking in tongues. This is a Pentecostal tradition that uses this text that we're going to today uh, and others in the book of Acts that we will address, uh, addressing the importance of tongues. Now, that was my experience. It was a highly desirable, sought-after, good thing. But it also, um, if you didn't speak in tongues, it produced a little bit of a shame experience. Like, oh, you don't have it? Well, that must it kind of makes you a little bit of a lesser Christian. That is similar to what's happening in Corinth. But some of us, when it comes to the gift of tongues, you may have grown up in an environment, like we talked about previously regarding prophecy, that it was shunned as if this was only for the first century. Those people that actually do that um, are off their rocker. Um, they're making it up. It's not really from the spirit because that has ceased. Now, the Corinthians were much more like um, the tradition I was saved in than the um, latter. They were highly emphasizing the gift. They had a group of people that believed that they had reached a certain level of spiritual superiority because they spoke in tongues. We addressed that in chapter 7, and it's, it continues, and it really heightens the argument all the way up into this point. So the question for us today is what is the gift of speaking in tongues, and then to begin to talk about how could it benefit? Is it for us? Is it for all? 
What role does it have in the body of Christ today? We have been in the middle of a series for the past few months called The Future Present. It's learning, it's establishing the church to live now in light of Jesus' future kingdom. Paul, throughout it, is trying to help them see, like, while some of them have an over-realized view of the future being fully present, he's saying, no, 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 the future is there, we're present, and the future impacts the present here and now, but for the Corinthians, they over-realized it. They thought it was fully there in many ways, and the evidence that they used was that some of them spoke in tongues. So, the question for us, what do we know about tongues? Now, I want to be very, very clear. This is going to be more of a foundational type of a teaching um, than it is going to be a thinking through all the implications. Well, what about, so you will likely leave with um, some questions than <clears throat> you probably desire. I'm, I'm just going to set you up for that. This is to lay a foundation because um, what I've come to discover is my experience of a more charismatic Pentecostal background is not the common experience for many within our church family. And so I want to more lay a foundation for us to build off of in the years ahead. So question for us, what do we know about the gift of tongues? So chapter 14, Paul takes that head on. He's addressing their overuse of it and correcting them. So chapter 12, 13, 14 He's trying to establish their church gatherings and the use of um, gifts of the Spirit right smack dab in the middle of that. He emphasizes the importance of love and how that is the fuel in which it gathers. In many ways, if love is not the motivator when it comes to the gathering, then it shouldn't be taking place. Um, And so Paul even addresses that with this gift. So a few things about what we know from this passage and others about the um, tongues. The first thing, this is a gift. It's a gift. We see this in uh, chapter 14, verse one, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. We see him address tongues specifically in chapter 12, starting in verse 10. He says, to another, the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, and to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, different interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as He wills. So, this is a gift given by God, by the Spirit, God the Spirit, to both build up the individual disciple and to build up the body as long as there's interpretation, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. We see that it builds up the person in chapter uh, 14, verse 4. The person who speaks in another tongue builds himself up. And the person who prophesies builds up the church. So they overemphasized tongues. They thought the more tongue speaking in a gathering, the better. It was chaotic. It was disorderly. And what Paul is trying to get them to say is, actually, you need to correct yourself a little bit. Prophecy is more important. You need to slow it down on the tongues. But I don't want to overcorrect and all of a sudden say tongues is not good. Paul is very clear. He thinks that this is a gift. One of the, the second thing that we see that this is not gifts is a gift that's not to be forbidden. Verse 39. So then, brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Like that's a command. 
don't forbid the speaking in tongues. Now, so many of us come from traditions that did forbid that. And that may require us to repent. That may be like, we've forbidden it. We've said it's evil. We said it's wrong. It's not available. And Paul's very clear. Don't forbid it. Because this is a gift. Now, the question for us, is this a gift for all? Or is this a gift for some? You look at that passage in chapter 12, verse 11, and um, one and the same spirit is acting of all these, distributing to each person as he wills. So does that mean every person? Or does that mean only the people that he's chosen to have that gift? I tend to, um, to emphasize that it's the spirit that decides who gets the gifts. There are many godly, Christ-centered, spirit-empowered people that have not spoken in tongues historically. Does that mean that they're not saved? Absolutely not. They love Jesus. Does that mean that the Spirit doesn't love them? No. It just means that He may not have chosen to give them that gift. The tradition I grew up in it was highly sought after. For me to be a pastor or to be ordained and licensed in that denomination, I had to um, be able to speak in tongues or at least say that I was able to speak in tongues. For me, this what I, I grew up in that environment produced a, um, a, a desire and a pursuit of, but it also produced a little bit of shame if you didn't do it. If you didn't speak in it, that must mean you're a lesser Christian. I believe that's very likened to what's happening here in Corinth, that they thought they were spiritually superior because they did it and some others, um, because they did it and some others didn't. Now, what about those that don't? What I would say is this. I believe that the spirit decides. I believe it's the spirit who can determine who gets the gift for the building up of themselves and potentially for the building up of the body. I, I believe that because it's the Spirit that chooses, He gets to make the decision who and how many get to. I know um, a few people that have desired it, and for some reason, the Spirit doesn't give it to them. Um, my encouragement to them is that you, know, that you have other gifts that the Spirit has given you. Now, I believe that this is, um, this is another thing that we can know about tongues, that this is a gift to be desired. Paul says to pursue it. He says in verse 5 that I wish all of you spoke in other tongues. Like Paul, Paul knows that this experience of speaking in tongues is good. It's beneficial. It does build up the person who is speaking it. So like he wants people to do that. Now just because he wants it doesn't mean that there, it's available to all. I want everybody to experience how amazing it is to be married to my wife and to be the father of my children because I love it. It's such a gift to me, but that's not a gift to everybody. So just because it's a gift to somebody doesn't mean it's going to be a gift to everybody. And it is a gift. And so Paul wants people to experience this. Paul thinks it's wonderful. I have been greatly benefited from being able to speak in tongues. What it does for me, it, because in many ways, it, um, it, 
is a emphasis on the more mystical, um, charismatic, soul spirit part of what it means to be human. Many of us come from traditions that's very logic focused, very understanding focused. I, it's about my brain and my theology and that's how I experience God. And that is so good. I mean, I'm exegeting the text. I'm, I study. I'm all for that. And then we have to come to texts like this where it's like, and there's parts of gifts that, that logic is not the primary function of. Now, during the gatherings, I want to be very, very clear. Paul thinks that logic and understanding and um, intelligibility, those are utmost and those are first importance because those build up the collective. We're going to talk in a couple weeks on the rest of this verse about order in the church and how they were doing it from a selfish perspective rather than a collective perspective. So, the, I... I I understand like logic has this place and for tongues to be used in a gathered, it needs to be interpreted. And for the individual experience of this that I believe is available today, it does something that uh, passes logic. It builds the person up. I mean, scripture talks about mending the brokenhearted. How does God do that? Is that a logical experience? Because I know if you're like me, there's been times when I believe something with my head, but I don't experience it in my heart. I can logically articulate something, but it doesn't mean I believe it in my heart. I believe um, that the gift of tongues and these more mystical, experiential understanding of things has a way that we have the logic of the Spirit that um, bypasses, if you will, our logic and addresses directly that part of us that's more spirit-oriented, more, um, more designed for our souls and our heart. Now, are the language of the culture is intuition. I want to be very clear. Intuition and spirit are different. Intuition is a common grace thing. The spirit infusing that, interacting with that is a Christian thing. I think that's wonderful, but don't, don't muddy those waters. Okay, so the Spirit decides who, so it doesn't mean it's available to all. Um, I believe that the Spirit gets to decide who it's available to. If you, I, and secondly, I think it's desirable. Now, I, I, I challenge you with this. Have you ever asked God, God, I would like to speak, to speak in tongues? For some of you, that may be like, oh my gosh, I would never do that. That would be so weird. I'd be out of control. My experience of speaking in tongues is it was part of my journey of learning to give up of more control of myself to the leading of the Spirit, to the leading of Jesus. It was submitting to His Lordship. I didn't want to sound weird. I didn't want to sound funny. I didn't want to be overwhelmed. And so, uh, it, but for me, it was a, a submission of my whole part of myself, including my mouth, my utterances, my vocalization, if you will, to his lordship. It's to be desired. Do you desire this? If you desire it, I would simply encourage you, ask the Spirit, Lord, give me an opportunity to speak in tongues, to, um, in my own private time, to be built up, to experience you in a new way. And then, as we do with all prayers, if he does not answer as Jesus himself experienced in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
not, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. I desire this, God. I think it's good for us to come to the Lord with desires, with the um, wanting to experience him, to pursue him, to um, live fully. And he gets to decide how that works. So we open-handedly, humbly desire it, recognize it's a gift. Paul says at the end of this in verse 39, So then, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. We have to recognize that this is something that's not to be forbidden. This is something to be pursued. This is something to be desired. Now, what um, many people will then go and say, okay, great, but it, is this the same thing as Acts chapter 2? Is the tongues that you experienced, in, that people can experience too, the same or different from what we're experiencing here? In many ways, the question really comes down to how many uh, speaking in tongues is available us today. Cessationists would believe that there's zero, that these are not available. Some people believe that there's one, that Acts chapter 2, which is the story of Pentecost, when after Jesus rose from the dead, the disciples were in an upper room praying. Jesus told his disciples, don't go anywhere. You need my spirit so that you can be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. They're in an upper room praying, and all of a sudden the spirit empowers them, fills them, and there's, um, they have this ability to speak in foreign languages. And people from all around the, um, the area are in Jerusalem for this um, Pentecost, and they hear their language being spoken by that person. So Acts 2 are foreign languages. They're known to somebody languages. So some people think that Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 14, 12 through 14 are the same. These are foreign languages that are known by other people. There are others that believe there's, two, there's different types of speaking in tongues. There's a type when you can be given a foreign language that can be interpreted by somebody and heard by and known by somebody in that language. There are... Uh, um, and then there's the type of gift that they would say is in chapter 12 to 14, which is a more individual, personal gift that can be beneficial to the body. Some people liken it to um, angelic tongues, which you see in chapter 13, verse 1, that they liken it to that. And I would even say that there's some people that think there's three tongues. There's the gift of foreign language, there's the personal gift, and then there's the gift that's in the body of Christ. Okay. Where I land now, we as an elder team, um, we've wrestled with this. We we have asked about this. We are not all fully one hundred percent on exactly the same thing. There's a lot of nuance to this. So I submit this to you um, from my perspective and what we have talked about. I believe that there is a difference between the, the tongues that are spoken in Acts chapter two. And that there's uh, in Acts chapter 14, uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I believe that there is an empowerment of the Spirit to speak in a known language for the sake of somebody else hearing the gospel and professing faith. But I believe that, and I'm going to give you reasons why I believe this, that this gift in Acts chapter 14 is different from that. Reason why I believe that. First of all, the term itself literally just means the uh, tongues, literally just means the 
physical movement of the mouth and tongues. That's why people call it free vocalization or the utterances is another way to call use this. So just because something is coming out of somebody's mouth doesn't mean it's the same thing. So the term itself is not automatically equated. Secondly, verse two, these are what it says in the CSB, mystery. The, um, for the person who speaks in another tongue is not speaking to people, but to God. So they're, even in a foreign language, they're not speaking to people. The purpose of that tongue is to not speak to others, but it's to speak to God since no one understands him. Notice that no one understands him. This isn't people only in a certain language understand him. This is no one understanding them. And then it says he's speaking mysteries in the spirit. These are not things that have been revealed unless it has the gift of interpretation, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. So these are mysteries. These are not logically knowable to the speaker. This is something that not somebody that can speak multiple different languages. This last week, I spoke to somebody that knows five different languages that, and they're 20 years old. Mind-blowing to me. This is not the same thing as that person speaking in a knowable language that they understand. These are mysteries in the spirit. Secondly, if it's a foreign language, the interpreter of that language wouldn't need the gift of interpretation. We have people in our body that can speak multiple different languages. If I start speaking in that language and somebody knows that language, that person doesn't have a spirit manifestation of interpretation. Because if this is a, a not knowable language, if this is a mystery of the spirits, then they're not utilizing that gift. They're just using their natural skills. Number four reason why I believe that. In, verse 11, in verses 6 through 12, Paul gives three metaphors about the gift of speaking in tongues and the purpose of interpretation. He talks about the flute or a harp. He talks about the bugle making an unclear sound. And he's doing these to try to help us to understand, using metaphors to understand tongues itself. And the third metaphor that he uses is a foreign language. So this is like, if this tongues is a foreign language, this would be like giving the dictionary, um, using a word to define the word. It's, you go to the dictionary and you open it up and you find a word and what's the definition? The same word. That's, Paul's using a metaphor. The, because his metaphor is a foreign language, it's distinct from the very thing that he's addressing in this. And so, I believe that this is a personal um, empowerment of the a gift of the Spirit to speak in an unknown language empowered by the Spirit for the building up of that individual and if it's interpreted in the corporate body, building up for the body. Paul is not saying stop speaking in tongues. What he's saying is be silent unless you know it can be interpreted because it's about the building up the body. Okay, so I believe this is different from Acts chapter 2. I also believe this is different from being baptized in the Spirit. Um, when you go to Acts chapter 2, you talk about the being baptized. Baptized literally means immersed in the Spirit. Some people equate speaking in tongues with baptism in the Holy Spirit. So, and if you're baptized in the Spirit, that means you have the Spirit. What I will say is you get the Spirit when you are at regeneration, at profession of faith. 
The Spirit of God is given to you. Acts, uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses, uh, verse 3, um, specifically says that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. You cannot profess faith in Jesus if the Spirit was not at work in you. You have the Spirit when you profess faith. And I believe that there are opportunities for subsequent or secondary fillings. Now, those do not have to be um, with speaking in tongues. I don't believe that. But I do believe that there are multiple available immersions or baptisms of the Spirit that is available to us in Christ. You see that in Acts chapter 2, chapter, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 19. There's many examples of that. They had baptism of repentance, but they didn't have baptism of the Spirit. So I don't believe that baptism of the Spirit equals speaking in tongues. And I do believe that there are opportunities for us to be further filled with God's Spirit as we walk in this Christian life. Okay, as we move on, um, number six, because the corporate gathering, and this is what Paul's addressing here, the goal is building up. Because the goal is building up, the, if a, sp- a tongue is spoken in the church gathering or in a missional community, it needs to be interpreted. Because if it's not interpreted, it is unintelligible and it doesn't build anybody up. That's what Paul is trying to get at here. The whole goal of the body of Christ coming together is to be built up, to spur one another on, as the author of Hebrews says. So if it's not interpreted, it's not understandable. If it's not understandable, it cannot be built up. The interpretation can come by the individual giving the tongue, verse 13. Therefore, the person who speaks in another tongue should pray that he can interpret. Um, Or it can be from another person, verse 28. But if there is no interpreter, that person, the person speaking in tongues, is to keep silent in the church and speak to himself and God. Okay? So... I don't believe that it's, if this is a prayer language, if this is something given as a gift, I don't think it's beneficial for, and I, I would say this for Paul, for Paul would say this, for somebody who has that to use it in a corporate body unless it's going to be interpreted. Now, there's lots of different ways denominations can go about that. I'm not going to dive too deep into that because I'm just laying a foundation for us. I want to just emphasize the interpretation is essential for um, bringing it to the body. If that's not known that I would not do that. And I'll, lastly, Paul does this amazing thing where he not only addresses the building up of the body, but he says that this is a sign for non-believers. Look what he says in verses 22 through 25. Speaking in another tongues then is intended as a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is not for unbelievers, for, but for believers. If therefore the whole church assembles together and all are speaking in other tongues, and people who are outsiders or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if you all prophesy and some unbeliever or outsider comes in, he is convicted by all and is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart will be revealed, and as a result, he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming God is really among you. I once was... um, in these previous tribes, I was at this youth event in this house and there was a door knocker that came up and they were trying to um, talk about one of the 
various belief systems over there. Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, I don't remember. And this person uh, that I was with at the time, uh, really highly influenced by a lot of these charismatic circles. And, um, and so he took this verse that it's a sign for an unbeliever. And all of a sudden he said, hey, um, I'm, he was, I want to do something to you. And all of a sudden he randomly started speaking in an unknown language. Um, and then he stopped and he says, does that make sense to you? And the person said, no. And then the, my friend was like, well, you're obviously not ready to believe in Jesus. We're just going to go ahead in this conversation. And then he ended the conversation and walked away. He took this, that tongues are a sign to point people to Jesus and that somehow the Spirit will miraculously do that. I believe that that is a misunderstanding of this text. The assumption is that tongues point people to Jesus. And I think verse 23 actually says that if everybody's speaking in tongues at a gathering and it's unintelligible, you're actually pointing people. It's a sign, but it's a sign pointing people away from, not towards. What, why the gift of prophecy is available and why it's good is because it verse 25, the secrets of the heart revealed, they will fall face down, they'll worship God. This is salvation. The gift of somebody being known by God, spoken directly to them so that they can experience God in our midst. Tongues is a sign, and in the gathering sense, if it's not interpreted, it will push them away rather than push them towards. So for us, brothers and sisters, what does that mean for us? All, like This is all great in the theory. Yeah, we can speak in tongues. Uh, a few th implications that I have for you that I want you to consider. First, have you in your heart forbidden speaking in tongues? Have you, whether it's what you've been raised in, whether it's out of fear, have you said speaking in tongues is evil and I'm going to forbid it? I would ask you in light of what Paul says in verse 39, do not forbid speaking in other tongues. That, that's a, I would say if we've forbidden that, if we've, um, if we've not allowed that experience to happen, we, that's something we need to repent of. We've put a stumbling block in front of people. And we need to repent and ask God to not only forgive, but allow for that. Second, are you desiring Jesus in this gift? I believe that this is an opportunity for an experience of Jesus that we've not, we've not typically had. Do I believe that all have it? No, you've already heard me say that. But is this something that you've desired? Is this something that you've asked God for? Like, have you asked, like, God, you know, I just love you. I want more of you, Jesus. And I'm going to ask you that you give me the gift of speaking in tongues so that I can experience you in a new way. Have you pursued it? Have you desired it? Have you asked for it? If you have the gift, have you asked God to bless other people with it? Because I think that this is a way for us to be built up as full human beings in the body of Christ. So, have you desired it? Is this something that you've looked at, that you've wanted? Is this something that you've forbidden? And then I would just simply ask you to ask this question. God, what... What do you want me to do with this? What do you want me to do with this? Do I need to repent for forbidding? Do we, I need to repent for not pursuing? 
do I need to now pursue? Do I need to um, change how I do things so that I can receive this? Maybe I can bring it to my missional community. Maybe I can see other people have the gift of interpretation. I don't know what this means for you. But I want to submit to you in light of this, what does this mean for you? And all of this is because what Jesus has done for us. The purpose of the gospel is so that we could be united with Christ, that we as the body will be his bride, united with him, um, um, being with him, abiding in him. And this is a way that not just logically we can do it through study, but we can spiritually, existentially do this through this gift. I, I, brothers and sisters, want us, Soma Federal Way, to grow in our ability to pursue spirit empowerment, to know what the spirit wants for us, to know what he's doing for us, for him to be able to empower us. Because for the, for the purpose of mission, we need spirit empowerment. And I believe that this is a gift that we can edify ourselves and if done orderly, could edify the body. Let's pray. Father, thank you that there are things that we don't fully understand, but that you are a God of order, as it says in this passage, and we can trust you. So whether we pursue it and you choose to give it, thank you. Where we pursue it and you choose not to give it, we thank you. That this is your sovereign will that we get to choose. That we, excuse me, we get to receive. God, I also thank you that if we have forbidden that you are speaking to our hearts, that we can repent, that we can direct people towards you because we want people to know you and experience you. So help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.